Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Monday, everybody. Middle of September. Good to have you here at the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Andre and it is the Full Court Press, 401 your kickoff time. If you want to be a part of our show, we have a lot to get to today. We'd love to hear your opinions, thoughts, concerns, questions, or arguments. 435-339-0321 to text in, 435-752-1069 to call in. Uh, we will get to our bread and butter play of the week for a chance to win four, not one, not two, not three, but four loaves of Old Grist Mill bread. We'll do that at 5.15 today. So during the second hour at 5.15, we'll announce that Old Grist Mill bread and butter play of the game. Uh, sponsored by Old Grist Mill, who does a wonderful job. We'll get to our Preps Pick'em's contest winner, presented by the Logo Shop. Grateful for all they do, as uh, we have a winner who won $100.00. To get fresh donuts. Not donuts. Spud nuts. Spud nut. Okay, so... There's a difference. Edu- well, then educate me. Very important difference. Fine, educate me. What's a spud nut compared to a donut? Uh, spud nut uses potato flour. Huh? A donut uses just regular flour. So, for our gluten intolerant friends... Yep, yep. You and me. Spud nut's good. Good choice. Good option. So, uh, yeah, Johnny O's do a great job. Oh, tremendous job. Wide variety. Of, I wish of, uh, James would quit kind of coming into our studio and feeding me donuts. <laughs> I stepped on waste go the other day, and I was not impressed with my progress. And I blame James. Uh, this week's winner, by the way, he got all of them correct. Wait, he went perfect? He was perfect. You know... Greats, the greats in the uh, in the knowledgeable business of high school football that is, do that. They succeed with yeah. perfection. I've done so, that before. Uh, okay, but uh, congratulations to Randall Bagley, who wins it this week. Uh, he had the highest score, did the best job of everybody in our pool, uh, making the picks on who was going to win with the uh, various high school football games taking place over this past week. So he wins, really it's a little over $100. It's like $105 in gift certificates from Johnny O's Spud Nuts. So, you know Randall, go ask him for a Spud Nut. It's Randall's day on (laughs) on 106 on the fan. And And some really big games this week. Um, We got one that's got moved up. And I don't... Are I don't know okay? if I can change the time or if uh, if we change the time where the deadline is to pick because one game could be decided before our traditional 6 o'clock on a oh. Friday because the Skyview Ridgeline game has moved up. It yeah. moved up to Thursday. Yeah, it's uh, been taken as the game of the week in the state of Utah, rightfully so, because the RPI rankings have been released, and wouldn't you know it, Skyview and Ridgeline are 1 and 2 respectively in the uh, – First opening poll of the RPI for the 4A classification in uh, in football. And, and again, no surprise, both teams are undefeated. Uh, Ridgeline 
gets and escapes Garland with a very controversial. Was it? Yeah, it was in Bear River, right? Or was it? Yes, it was in Bear River. Yep, it was uh, at Bear River. Controversial win, if you want to call it that. Uh, a hail mary that was. It looked to be short. I didn't have a great view of it, to be very honest with you, from the video that I saw. Uh, and I looked at other views and photos. People were sending me views and photos or whatever, and I, I never got a clear look at it if he was in or not. Uh, but a Hail Mary falls about a yard short, if that. And Ridgeline escapes Garland with a huge win. Uh, and so congratulations to Ridgeline. But again, you know what? With with what Bear River has lost and the fact that they're still able to compete with a team like Ridgeline says a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Doesn't I mean, it? I mean, that's amazing. That, the fighting spirit of the Bear River Bears is pretty incredible this year. Uh, the way they were able to come back from being down against Box Elder and win, they were down against, well, they were up, and then they were down and tried to come back against Ridgeline and almost pulled it off. Um, so uh, that Bear River team is a, is a force to be reckoned with uh, for some of the changes and some of the, the challenges that they've been faced with. So really impressive. Uh, what bothers me the most about that game Friday between Bear River and Ridgeline, uh, granted, I don't, I don't have a dog. Yeah, we're not allowed in this to fight, so it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other who wins or who losses or who lost. But what bothers me is that the play was made. There are referees and sideline judges like right there, and uh, the sideline guys, and they see the play happen. Then they huddle up, and they're talking for like a couple of minutes, which seems like an eternity before they finally decide what they're going to call, whether he was out of bounds or whether it was a touchdown. Like, I mean, isn't you it had pretty, guys like right there as it happened. Yeah. I mean, isn't it clear cut? If the ball's across the plane, it's in. And then they wait for guys who are 30 yards away to come in on the discussion before they can make up their mind. Yeah. I, then they, they make their call, and then they run off the field. Uh, that was just a little bizarre to me, that it took so long for that call to be made. Well, I think a couple of things. I mean, there's a lot to discuss there. You want to make sure you have the call right. You, you, if anybody had a better view of it, you want to talk to them. Um, I mean, that's, that's that's kind of a big call, right? Because if he's across the plane, then it's a touchdown. If he's not, then game's over. And was there was there time for another play or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. When there wasn't. Because if he's out of bounds, that's that's another part. If he's out of bounds with a second left, then that also gives you a chance. But there, there wasn't. And, uh, again, Ridgeline escapes – uh, a barn burner with uh, Bear River, and they remain undefeated at the Skyview as they take care of business with Green Canyon in dominating fashion. Both, boy, Green Canyon is just, they're on a slippery slope that they have not been able to get a hold of in the last three weeks, and they have a chance against Logan, but Logan did, did some major damage against Mountain Crest, and they blew out their former big-time rival, if you will, 42-14. They blast the Mustangs, and so now Logan uh, and uh, Green Canyon uh, are taking on each other. Bear River's at Mountain Crest, if I'm not mistaken, Eric. If that's, I guess I got the schedule right. Uh, here, Bear River okay. is uh, is going to be. No, nope, I'm sorry. At Logan. Yep, uh, I said I said it wrong. So Mountain Crest is home against Green Canyon. Bear River's at Logan. Ridgeline hosts Skyview. Yes, that is what you've got. Uh, and again, that game for Ridgeline and Skyview is on Thursday night, since it is a game of the week. Uh, we are going to reach out to. To uh, nobody knows, not even the people doing the TV. Nobody knows the high school game better than the two guys who have been calling it. Oh, I guess there's four, if you will. Uh, but John Newbold, that's great. 
and with his partner Rex Davis, and then everybody knows Dave Simmons and Nick Zollinger, who will be actually hosting that call uh, of this big game. They're going to be uh, they'll be the ones on the call for both Skyview and Ridgeline. We're going to try and get uh, Dave Simmons and John Newbell on this week at some point. Excuse me, at some point to uh, to talk about this huge, huge matchup. By the way, you did not need to like tear me apart when I asked you about the who we should interview. Felt bad. What? I didn't tear you apart. I had to go sit in a corner in the fetal position and cry for about fifteen minutes. I did not. You're trying to say, I just, I just love hey, why don't we like, go and talk to this one person? There's the, there's like, the experts. Well, <laughs> we have we have the experts in our wheelhouse already. <laughs> why are we not talking to them? <laughs> no, they're great. Dave Simmons and Nick, jo- Nick Zollinger are phenomenal. Uh, in fact, those other people down south actually called me and said, hey, who do we talk to to get the best info? And I gave numbers. I said, hey, look, here's our play-by-play guy. Here's our analyst guy. Call them. They know everything. I... Don't. I love watching high school football, but I don't have the info and the great insight and the great scoop that uh, John Newbold, Rex Davis, Dave Simmons, and Nick Zollinger have. So, again, that game will be Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and you'll find it uh, here on this station and 104.5. Thank you. Yep, 104.5, The Ranch in Cache County. Streaming online, you can listen to it uh, on your mobile device. Uh, or on those radio stations that we just detailed. And as you said, uh, the UHSAA released their uh, first RPI for the football season today. Skyview is number one. Ridgeline is number two. Does Skyview get a bit of an advantage because they had one extra game? Yes. Yeah, it's simple as that. And But you know what? It doesn't matter. If you're Ridgeline, all you need to do is beat Skyview. If you're Skyview, all you need to do is beat Ridgeline. That's all. Like, the whole extra game thing doesn't matter anymore because now you're facing each other on a Thursday night. Well, you got everybody's attention. All eyes are on you in the state of Utah. Yeah, and- Ridgeline had an opportunity to play a game against a, 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 a team who was a higher classification. So that would have helped them. But uh, UHSAA, before the season began, we had John Oglesby on with us, and he said, there are going to be games canceled. We realize that that shouldn't adversely affect RPI. No. But uh, right now, there are only three teams in 4A who are undefeated. Skyview, who's number one. Ridgeline, who's number two. And Snow Canyon, who is number three. Bear River sits at number six right now. Is the other, so three out of the six teams in Region 11 are in the top ten of the RPI. By the way, which one astounds you more as I read these names out that are still in the top ten? Pineview, Stansbury, Cedar, Mountain View, Park City, and Ogden. Um, boy, I don't know. Probably Park City. Bingo. <laughs> they had a ton of talent that was on that squad, and they lost a ton of talent, and that team got blasted by Skyview in the state championship 35-0 last year, uh, and they're back in the top 10 again. Yeah. That is impressive to me. Yeah, I know they do have two losses, but um, the fact that they're still in their wins, what they and who they've played, they're putting themselves in a position to still be a team to be reckoned with in 4A. Uh, by the way, the other teams in Region 11, uh, how they are ranked in the latest RPI, Logan comes in at number 14, Green Canyon at number 15, Mountain Crest at 17. So, you know, give the Mustangs some credit. 
there are people uh, below them. Uh, they're not at the bottom. This is a team that's played some tough games. They had that nice win up in Idaho. They've played competitive in some of their other games. But they've been blown out in some of the other games, too. I mean, they got blasted by Bonneville. They got they taken behind a woodshed against Logan. Uh, they've been in a couple games, sure. But they've also lost a couple games where they should. I mean, it's well, one thing Bonneville's to lose it, but to get beat that consistently. Bonneville's a number seven team in 5A. I mean, Bonneville beat uh, both Mountain Crest and Bear River. Bonneville's a good team. Okay, but Ma- but Logan beating you forty-two to fourteen. Well, that well lo- that wasn't the score for Logan. What was it? It, it was, was thirty-five. No, thirty-five to six. six. Sorry. Yeah, that was a surprise. Of all the games uh, that took place on Friday, that was the biggest surprise to me. I-, I thought that would be a closer contest. I think that is. I think that says two things: one, that Logan is perhaps better than we thought they were. Uh, and that the Mountain Crest team is still trying to find themselves. But I think it's more about Logan. That game was more about Logan than it was about Mountain Crest. So um, this is a big, big game, big showdown this week with Logan and Bear River. You know, that Logan team, are they going to have some momentum on their side? Bear River, will they be distracted by how that game against uh, Ridgeline ended? Or will that fuel them to, uh, you know, move forward and, Put that behind them. They don't have any room to be distracted. Like Logan's not a run over and, and walk, you know, through us doormat team anymore. They're scrappy. They're a good ball team. And uh if you do have, you know, come in there with a half effort and uh no energy, no urgency, Logan's gonna hand it to you. With with absolute pleasure, they'll do so. Hey, real quickly, I just want to give sh- make sure we give a shout out to our our friends and our listeners to the, in the north part of the valley of Cache Valley. Yes, great big win for Preston, dominating Bonneville of Idaho, forty nine to ten. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was their was that their homecoming. I'm not sure, um, but anyway, it was a big win for them, dominating performance for the Indians, uh, and then West Side over Marsh Valley, fourteen to six. Of a low-scoring knockout, drag-out, the hard-fought game, but that West Side team, uh, I don't think they've lost in like two and a half years. Uh, that is just a great program going on, um, and uh, congratulations to those teams with big wins. And you know what? Also, a big win for Box Elder, their first one of the season. They've had a lot of close games. Yeah, they've been through, and some they finally buyers. were able to get one, and it was a close one, fifteen to fourteen over Farmington. So, good job. Wait, 15 to 14 or 50 to 14? 15. Okay. Just yeah. want to make sure who's right. Over yeah. Farmington? Over Farmington. Man, Farmington's having a rough go at it this year. <laughs> they got blasted by Ridgeline, and then they get beat by uh, by Box Elder. They just they can't get on the right side of the tracks there. So, again, we'll have our bread and butter play of the uh, week contest where we will uh, ask you to call in. This will be at 515, so don't call in right now. Call in in an hour from now. And uh, we will announce it, and you will call in to try to win four loaves of bread. Eric, did we have a winner last week? No. So we've had two weeks. It went unclaimed. Two weeks of unclaimed bread. That's f- eight loaves of bread that is now not being claimed. That is that's sad. It's fresh bread this time, so it's not old and dry or anything like that. It's, it's good stuff. It's good so fresh bread. If you can yeah, correctly identify what the bread and butter play of the game was for the Skyview game, Against Green Canyon on Friday night at five fifteen. At five fifteen p.m., 
We'll give you four loaves of bread. Four loaves of delicious yumminess. Uh, all right, Eric. Uh, let's uh, let's take a break, shall we? Because we've got a lot to get to today. Um, we got NFL. We've got NBA. We've got college football. We have NHL. Our Las Vegas Knights are in deep doo doo versus the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars looking to get back uh, to the Stanley Cup for the first time, I believe, since 07. It's been that long. Vegas Knights are a team who was there last year and uh, will uh, look to repeat again. So we'll get to all that and uh, so much more here on the uh, Full Court Press. And college football, by the way, Big Ten. They're supposed to have a vote today. It's been pushed back. We'll kind of update on where things are at with that absolute saga. Men's basketball, by the way, Utah State, they're hoping to know, they're hoping to know what their schedule or when their schedule will start. And uh, that should be here in two days. Yeah, big decision is supposed to be made on Wednesday by the NCAA Division One Council. And it's uh, not just for men's and women's basketball, but football in the spring, other winter sports, spring sports, a lot of really important stuff supposed to be decided this Wednesday. So uh, there's some uh, hopeful, confident optimism uh, with men's basketball starting close to on time, but there's still questions about schedules and travel and what that might look like. So um, yeah, we'll, we're all eager to see what happens uh, earlier, or excuse me, later on this week. And uh, speaking of college football, this uh, wonderful team down south who's the only team west of the Mississippi that's playing football decided to go out and have a party because they're playing football. And because of that party, BYU's not playing Army in uh, this upcoming week. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Can't wait to have that discussion. All coming up on the Full Court Press. That's Eric France and Amal J. Salveson. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's Eric France and it's Ajay Salveson. It's the Full Court Press 421. Your time here on a Monday, September 14th. Thanks for joining us, however, and wherever you're doing so. You can text into the show at 435-339-0321. Eric, week two of the college football season got itself underway. Some games... Uh, no, here's the thing. We talked about it, you and I did, about Iowa State. You never know what you're going to get from Iowa State. God bless their souls. <laughs> They, they bring you the good cornbread, the good corn, they, the crops. But when it comes to the football field, Iowa State is about unpredictable as anything you can imagine from a ranked Division One college football team playing, Eric, a very touted Louisiana Raging Cajun Raging squad. Cajuns. 31-14 is your final score. In fact... Uh, Iowa State didn't score in the fourth. Or excuse me, didn't score in the second half. They were outscored by twenty-one in the second half, twenty-one to nil. What in the world? Yeah, L- Louisiana had multiple, uh, r- you know, special teams touchdowns. They just looked like they were ready to play, and Iowa State wasn't. Uh, and it got me thinking: Is this? I, w- uh, I needed to go through this. I just am reminded of this. I was going to look through the college football and the NFL. Mm-hmm. games this past weekend the lack of fans does it hurt the home team because when you're a road team you have to come and uh, to pump yourself up 
because you know you're going into a, a hostile environment, a quote-unquote hostile environment, and so you know it's just you against everyone. But if you're the home team, sometimes you don't come with that same killer instinct because you kind of rely on your surroundings and familiarity to get you there. And with the lack of people in, in attendance, I'm curious to know, and I should have done my research before this, but I know it was certainly the case with Iowa State. They just did not seem, as a home team, just have the the, the right kind of energy needed. And that's certainly what it... There were some other factors with Navy when they played BYU, but um, home teams, uh, did you feel like some of the home teams that you watched over the weekend between the college and the NFL that maybe they didn't have the same level of energy as as the visitors did? Okay, so NFL, or just a few isolated cases. NFL say yes. College, I say no. Look, the average star ranking for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns is a whopping two and a half. For Iowa State, it's four. That's the average star ranking on based on recruits. And yet, Louisiana puts up 31 points. In fact, uh, Brock Purdy uh, goes 16 of 35 for 145. Um, for uh, for Iowa State, excuse me, he had no touchdowns and he had a pick. Like this, I mean, it's more based on superior talent. And if you're Iowa State, you know without a shadow of doubt you're more talented, and they are than Louisiana. But yet you don't score in the second half, and you allow 21 points from the Raging Cajuns. That's an issue. That is more of an execution, and I don't want to be here or I'm overlooking my opponent issue. Yeah, they just looked listless. They didn't seem to have the same energy. Uh, Louisiana looked like they were ready. I mean, they oh, wanted they were, to go yeah, out they there wanted and, to come and, play. and compete. That's their first win over a ranked opponent since 1996. What? Really? Oh, shoot. That's a problem. Uh, I mean, there were some games that were close, that were fun and interesting. We had a double overtime thriller uh, between Powerhouse UTSA and Texas State. Hey, what was but the, then we had a lot of snoozers too, just huge blowouts. Yeah, what was the surprise? Maybe in, if it wasn't an upset, it was just a closer game than it probably should have been for you. Uh, I don't think I saw Georgia Tech and Florida State being as close as it was going to be. What was uh, if I Georgia may, Tech got the upset? Yeah, and I think you actually pointed this part out to me uh, before our show started. But thirty-five, uh, thirty-three, Texas Tech over Houston Baptist. Yikes. Yeah, what well, where? What was going on there? I mean, Texas Tech, they were huge favorites over Houston Baptist, and they struggled to get out of that. Yeah, in fact, uh, Bailey Zapp for Houston Baptist goes 30 of 49 for 567 yards and four touchdowns. Play some defense. And they score 33 points. And uh, Alan Bowman, 23 points in the second half. Good heck. Yeah, if you're, if you're Coach Wells, you can't be too happy about that. 38 of 52 is Alan Bowman for the uh, Red Raiders. Uh, he had 430 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But that's just, that's bad. Like a Houston Baptist hanging with you in Lubbock. Coastal Carolina with the upset over Kansas. Yeah, how about that? Dude, Kansas is bound for this every year. It's almost a tradition unlike any other, as Jim Nance would like to say. Kansas getting beat by an FCS or a lower division squad. And it's happened, what, I, I don't I think how many straight years now they've had this happen to them. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Arkansas State beating Kansas State, thirty-five, thirty-one. A Sun Belt team be- beating a Big Twelve team. That's a surprise for me. Uh, but you know, like you said, there were snoozers. O- Oklahoma forty-eight. By the way, did we get our pick six figured out? 
Yes. Okay. I have it tallied. 48 nothing. Oklahoma over Missouri State. That's one of our pick six. That's why I ask. Uh, Texas. I think I won that too. No way. Uh, Texas over UTEP 59 to 3. West Virginia over Eastern Kentucky 56 to 10. Uh, Clemson, Wake Forest rule was a little bit closer than people thought it would be. Clemson 37 13. Uh, Notre Dame over Duke, 27-13. to Notre Dame is still undefeated in conference play. Congratulations to them. <laughs> and uh, as you said, North Carolina, 31-6 winners over Syracuse. Iowa State lost, and Florida International New CF was postponed. So, uh, Eric, in the local state of things. Okay, I just did a quick tally for college football. I haven't looked at NFL. Okay. Home teams won... 13 games. Okay. Road teams won seven. In what? College football? In college football. Ooh. Ooh. This is past weekend. So 13. Wow. And, and some of those home games uh, were like number five, Oklahoma against Missouri State, a 48-point blowout. Yeah. Number 14, Texas, a 59-3 to blowout over Utah. So I mean, there were some pretty big blowouts from by ranked teams at, on their home fields. So... But still, not a bad weekend for road teams. Uh, nine three one five Texan. How about the Sun Belt beating a Power Five? Yep, you're right. Arkansas State beating Kansas State. That's a bad loss for Kansas State. Like Kansas, you expect it from Kansas State. You do not. That's bad. Uh, Eric BYU is supposed to be playing Army uh, this week. Yep. Instead, they all wanted to get together for a fireside uh, and have a big uh, kumbaya. With lots of dancing and no masks and no separation. Hence, there were some football players. We don't, and according to Jay Catch of uh, Locked On Cougars, they were not major contributors to the team, but they were tested for COVID nineteen. They tested positive. Uh, that's not. <laughs> so many thoughts come through my head. One, that's incredibly irresponsible of the players. Two, as a coaching staff, you got to do better of making sure these players are under control, and they. And I, I mean, of course, it's the kind of the joke has been since what July, maybe August of like, hey, it's Utah County. It's always been Utah County. They are the problem. And I always kind of thought, well, that's just that's rushing to judgment. But the more we're through this, the more I just think, man, it is Utah County. Like, how, I mean, how does that happen? And so fans are like, well, why can't we just uh, keep those players at home and travel with what we got? Because that's not how this works. If you've had players who have tested positive on this team, you can't just send out the rest of the players and think that they're either aren't tested positive, aren't contagious, or whatever the situation is. I, that's just not how it goes here. Uh, but it's just so irresponsible of BYU football players doing that. And it's it's and the Army's athletic director came out and said, "Hey, so we're looking for a disciplined team that is disciplined on and off the field. To come play us. Let us know if you find anybody." <laughs> And so, and the BYU fans jumped on there and just were grilling the Army guy or the Army athletic director. Oh, come That's on. That's not what you should be doing. You no. should be grilling your own football yes. players. And it's not just the football players. It's, this is, it, I don't know a lot about this dance party, who was there and who wasn't. Did you see the video? I've seen the video, oh yes. Oh, my gosh. But the problem is that those people go back to their apartments, their dorms, and Inevitably, they're going to come in contact with those football players, and so uh, and then it's a problem for the whole team because contact tracing and 
where was this guy at this time? What weights were was he using? Uh, what uh, position group was he in? You know, so it becomes a real problem. So, uh, were there some football players who attended the party? I don't know. But were there a lot of people college age? Were they all BYU? I highly doubt it. I'm sure there was some Utah Valley <laughs> influence on that as well. Bottom line is, um, these are events that spread the virus, and these are events that that cause other other events to shut down because they're being cavalier. Then it doesn't doesn't apply to them, and then uh, here's the consequences. And the state today said, "Look, we're seeing." Large spikes in the state, but the vast majority of all the problems and we're seeing in the state are coming out of Utah County right now. Yeah. Again, uh, 9315, I hope BYU fans feel sheep now that they can't play Army. That's why you don't dog on USU and Utah for not being able to play. Uh, more on that with Utah in just a bit, so hold tight with <laughs> your comment. Uh, that could be changing here in within the next couple of days. Um but again, it's and and again, you can't just say, "Well, Army, you got to find another open date because we want to come play you," or you need to come travel to BYU and play us. Why you the, can't demand that? Yeah, why would you ask Army to say, "Hey, you come to Provo and play us now," or no. you cowards? You can't get your own crap together. That's your fault. That's the and that's the incredible part is that they're calling Army cowards. Excuse me, I baking powder. <laughs> uh, you guys tested positive for COVID nineteen. Cowards. I mean, their whole thing is to go to war and yeah and by the way they want to play you they are absolutely more than happy to play you it's not like they're scared of you at all <laughs> they and and north should they be that's a good football team over there so uh yeah I, I, so the fact that you want as a byu fan you want army to play you that's great but maybe you should have taken care of that before having a party uh, and then to ask Army to come travel to Provo was just dumb, and it's outlandish, and it's not going to happen. And then to say, well, we we have an open date November, and so does Army. Here's the problem with that. Army doesn't want to play you one week before they play Navy. That's not going to happen. Army's setting up to play me. That is their game every year. Like what yours is to play Utah every single year in a rivalry game, that's Army's game to get up for. Uh, and I think you play like four, five days before that, so that wouldn't work either. Um, now, uh, BYU did announce they have added another game yeah, on their schedule. October 2nd, right? Yeah, Louisiana Tech um, is is going to be on there, and they do still have some other open dates that they're going to try to get some things worked out. But what's interesting is that a lot of those games that they've they've – figured out to, to put on a schedule a lot of them are home games but if they can't get their stuff together with you know following protocols and being safe and being smart I don't care how many games you have in your schedule if there's a virus spreading it on your campus nothing's going to happen uh, this is from the epidemiologist I say that right epidemiologist yes uh, Angela Dunn uh, from the state of Utah uh, and she says, quote, we are experiencing a clear upward trend in case counts right now. This trend is being driven in large part by an increase in cases among college-age young adults in Utah County. Since last Friday, 39% of all new cases have come from Utah County. This despite the fact that Utah County's population represents just 20% of the state's population. That's a yikes. Most of these cases are among 14 to 24-year-olds, and the majority of those are among college-age young adults. 
Colleges across the state, and specifically in Utah County, have acted proactively to implement solid prevention measures on their campuses. They need help from their students to act responsibly while off campus. What students do off campus has a direct impact on direct impact on schools' ability to safely operate their campus. People should avoid large indoor gatherings where physical distancing is not possible. They should wear face coverings. They should stay home if they are sick and need to follow quarantine and isolation instructions from public health. None of that, and I mean zilch of that, has been happening in Utah County. Zero. Which, again, goes to the whole thing, like why, the start of the season. Why did BYU think that they could have a college football season and those in the Mountain West and the Pac-12 and many other conferences didn't feel that it was, A, appropriate, or B, safe to do so just yet? Uh, again, so they get Louisiana Tech on October 2nd. That'll be at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. A um, couple of good connections to it. Former BYU's uh, football coach Gary Croton was the head coach at uh, Law Tech and from 96 to 98 before he became the OC for the Chicago Bears and then taking the head coaching position at BYU from 01 to 04. Yep. By the way, Law Tech was supposed to play Baylor last Saturday, um, but that was postponed due to COVID-19 cases. And the Bulls, the Bulldogs opened the season uh, this week at Southern Mississippi uh, on Saturday afternoon. So four games postponed this last week because of coronavirus. Yeah, that's that's just a problem. Florida International at UCF, Marshall at East Carolina, La Tech at Baylor, SMU at TCU. Yeah, I just I read these comments from BYU fans. <laughs> Don't. Don't do that, dude. I, well, no, Don't just, subject yourself to that. Oh man, I, I it's like losing have. brain cells. I, I shouldn't have. Like one person, it's like uh, sniffing glue. Seems highly reasonable to leave those people home or just switch the game to Provo. Why can't Army just come here? Uh, and then the person that replying to the comment says, says I understood that it was uh, New York had a fourteen quarantine or quarantine day restriction. Uh, they gave an exception to the game's scheduled, but it was with the requirement that there would be zero positive tests on the team. Seems the athletes testing positive could be left home. But I agree with you. I think it's very feasible that Army could come to uh, Provo at least in November. That is incredible. I'm so glad you guys are not the ADs of <laughs> BYU. Yeah, it's, stop reading that. Okay. It's not worth your time. Uh, Erica, more college football uh, news. Pac-12, Big Ten, they're still in their sagas, right? More Big Ten than Pac-12. The interesting thing that you hear from the Big Ten situation, that is, it's not like you've heard, well, only these teams are going to participate or only these teams would want to sit out. But then uh, someone from... Uh, Wisconsin, the chancellor said, no, it's going to be a united decision. Either we are all in or we are all out. What is the best way to fix this situation or is there a solution to it all? Well, I think it's a good question because there may be a, a president or a chancellor of a university who they may resist playing only to be not considered a, a political pawn. And they don't want to play that game. They want to get be you know participate. In that, because the Big Ten has become a a, a political playground uh, in the presidential election, and so there are I know there are some some presidents and chancellors who they don't want to be any part of that. But on the other hand, the the, uh, the 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 volume is increasing from inside and outside the Big Ten. That look, there are ways for you to still 
play and to do it safely. It's happening all around you and other venues, just not with you. Like if you're in Ohio, you've got some teams that are playing, some that aren't. And so the only <laughs> there are NFL games that are happening, but college football games are not. Uh, so it's 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 strange to see what's going on in the Big Ten. Uh, the but there's some movement that they may be moving more in that direction to uh, where it was a strongly against having a season during in the fall to kind of flipping the other way around. Those that are uh, still staunchly against playing are in the uh, in the small minority. It seems to be shifting pretty dramatically the other direction. With the Pac-12, there's reports out today that suggest that they have an aggressive return plan that could get them going by mid to late November. And that could mirror what the Big Ten is looking at. Those two conferences are always tied to the hip, and they may come together and say, we're going to have something coordinated, and we're going to be going together at the uh, the mid to tail end of November. And uh, then when it's all said and done, we can still have our traditional Rose Bowl between our two conferences. If the Pac-12 and Big Ten get started and things go smoothly, quote-unquote, I mean, you're going to have maybe a, a COVID test here or there. A positive case, but if it can go smoothly to where they can finish the season, does that tell other G all the other G five schools we have a shot to play in February? Well, I think the big difference here is that the Pac twelve has this this deal with this organization that can do rapid testing and regular testing. They've got the the financial resources to to do some of those things. Um, uh, so uh, the Big Ten. Similar opportunities for them. I think that's a big question in the like the Mountain West or the other G five conferences that aren't playing or participating. Is you know, do we have those same the same resources? Do we have the access to the same kind of uh, security for our players and their and to ensure their safety? But here's the big thing with the Pac twelve. There are still several communities and even some states uh, in the Pac twelve footprint that, based on their current protocols and guidelines, you, there's no way you can even have practices yet. Yeah. Add on top of that, the crazy wildfires and the terrible air quality in those communities, it's not safe to be playing football, practicing football in the Pacific Northwest and parts of Northern California. So I, I think it's still a long shot for a big chunk of the Pac-12 to get going. And I think you're right with what the Big Ten has said. It's, it's an all or nothing um, situation for them. They're not going to say, you know, okay, let's go Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, um, maybe even USC and UCLA. You're all cleared to go, but uh, anything north, northwest, um, so you're going to have to wait a while. I mean, it's just, it's not going to work. It won't happen. So I saw a tweet today, and I don't know who it was from. But they said, what if we like presented like this Mountain West PAC conference or Mountain West 12 conference, whatever you want to call it, where you combine, because Oregon, Hawaii, California are probably all out. Um, so you take Wyoming, Air Force, Utah, Utah State, uh, Arizona, <laughs> any school of the Mountain West or the PAC 12 that is available and allowed to play and put them into a conference and start in on Thanksgiving weekend. And play it like that. Now again, and the other question I have, Eric, is because if they start late, 
if there are bowl games available, would they be participating in those bowl games or would they be out of it because they started later? That's another question I have is, what are you playing for? Well, yeah. Uh, who knows what the bowl situation is going to look like this year? Especially if you're going to have some conferences starting in November. And what if you have conferences that don't start until end of January? Hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do for a bowl season? I just don't think bowls exist. You may have a conference championship game, and that's it. Because otherwise, I don't know how you do it. Okay, so with that then, Eric, do you see players opting out? Knowing that they have an NFL career ahead of them with nothing to play for, such as a national championship, a Mount West Conference championship with a uh, really you know, shiny and sparkling bowl game ahead of that. Uh, in fact, uh, the Ohio State cornerback, who is the son of the protest leader f- towards the Big Ten or against the Big Ten, he's opting out. Yeah, and he was going to be like a top 10 pick, potentially. I mean, that right there. And then, like, you've got other NFL players or future NFL players, and they want to start in, in Thanksgiving weekend or in January and then you have the pro day and combine and you know NFL draft. How many of those players say this is too risky for me? I have a future ahead of me where I can get paid to play this game. I mean, I think your top level players who've already gotten some feedback that they're going to be selected, uh, they're going to they're likely uh, bow, bow out. out. Yeah. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is still playing, but uh, there's also word that uh, defensive lineman at LSU. Yeah, Farrell. Previously said he was opting out, and now he might decide to come back, come back in. in. But that's based on because they're going to be able to start within like September or whatever. Right, LSU is going to be playing. But if you're season. playing in November, you're starting in November, you're starting in January or February, that's a whole different animal. And again, you're trying to get ready for the NFL season. That's what a lot of guys do after the season is over. They immediately start, they either go home and they work out with friends or with Or they go to spe- you know, specified. Yeah, uh, specialized camps where these guys that are paid a lot of money just to help players get ready for the NFL draft and pro days. So that that industry is going to be significantly <laughs> impacted. But I, I think your top level guys, yeah, they're probably going to uh, look seriously at opting out. A lot of them already have, uh, well, not a lot, but a good number already have. Um, but for most everybody else, they need to put together tape. They still need to go out and show what they can do. Yeah, this thing is so far from over. What and I think is more concerning is the underclassmen who have to go through this and then turn around and do it again yep. in a short amount of time and some for of them, the following year. And some of those underclassmen are looking to be drafted in the following year, too. Some of them are good. Yeah, maybe you see more but they're go early. On. Yep. Uh, I want to jump to college basketball really quickly. I, again, the announcement hopefully will be by the 16th, which would be a Wednesday. We'll have a good or even a set idea of when Utah State will start their basketball season and what their schedule could look like. Now, Eric, uh, if they start in, say, Thanksgiving weekend, right, I got to look at their basketball schedule now, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, they would lose their their Myrtle Beach tournament. And not only that, but I think... Would they lose BYU as well? I, I can't. I don't know when BYU is scheduled. I mean, that's usually early December. So they'd be okay. Again, there's no official schedule out yet. Myrtle. Yeah, there was never an official schedule that I was. I can't published. remember when the Myrtle. I think the Myrtle Beach tournament was scheduled for like late November. 
But the, I just, well, we're hearing this battle for Atlantis. It's been moved to, South, been moved Dakota. to South Dakota. And there's some big teams in that. Like, you're West yeah. Virginia, Utah, Duke's in it. There's some good challengers. So, yeah, it doesn't come to – it becomes the battle of South Dakota. I don't even know what's happening. The battle of the Atlantis now. So, that's the thing is is where you would if, – if you don't have a Myrtle Beach tournament, right, do you maybe just send, like, Utah State down there and you get a fresh eight – games versus some of those teams that were supposed to be in Florida for all those combined tournaments and you give Utah State eight games uh you know against mid major to high major teams and then you put together just a short preseason schedule in that regard in Florida in a bubble locked in like where the where Atlanta was doing their thing now you're saying this from the point of view of the Myrtle Beach Tournament organizers? Yeah. So, so okay. So, for example, sorry, let me rephrase this. That was a horrible way to ask it. All the Florida tournaments or all the those coast tournaments over there that were supposed to happen and probably won't happen because traveling cross country, COVID, all that. Do you maybe just say, okay, we're going to put a bubble together. We're going to invite 18 teams, whatever it is. And Utah State will schedule you eight games to go play inside that bubble as a preseason warm up for you. Would that would work, wouldn't it? Um and you, and you get a selection yeah, of I mean, there's a lot of high the, major teams. Sure. I mean, potentially if they have that kind of sway and uh, um if they can arrange something like that that they still get, can participate in and get a cut of that. Uh I think that sure, if there's something else that they can put together as an alternative um Maybe it is an option. You'd hope that there'd be an option, so it doesn't just go away. You don't lose those opportunities to play some some quality non-conference opponents. But the real question is, if it's not going to happen at that venue, how successful can you be in finding another venue or lining up other opportunities for those teams that were going to be involved? So okay, so what if you use what the NBA played inside of? You use that as the bubble. So, like, the ESPN Worldwide uh, Worldwide Complex, uh, the other three arenas or whatever, what if you use that and you just stuck them inside there just like the NBA and they weren't – I mean, they're not allowed to go anywhere, right? Especially if they're college athletes. They can't really go do a whole lot. And you just stick them inside there and say, okay, get your pick of eight games. You can do four mid-major, four high-major, and duke it out and you have a chance to improve your RPA. Because that's the biggest thing, Eric, is the loss of a, a preseason schedule – Holy crap, you got to go to break. The loss of a preseason schedule, you're talking about BYU, St. Mary's, Davidson's a big one. Uh, I don't. I think Pitt's on the schedule to a degree, or if they would have been in that a tournament at least. Like, there's some big games, and they lose that RPI strength, and that, that's going to kill them if they don't get to fix that. No, but I think the first priority is can basketball happen? That's the first first priority. Can we still have a season? Can the Mountain West play a basketball season? Certainly there are concerns in some key communities, key states in the Mountain West footprint where uh, there, are, there are some concerns about being able to gather, being able to have close contact. So I think for the Mountain West, their first concern is, can we have a season with all of our members involved? The second concern is, can we play some quality non-conference opponents? And yeah, I think it would be silly to believe that what they had cooking before coronavirus is going to be the same. I think it's going to be changed. Uh, to what degree, we just don't know. Yeah, I think they have basketball. 
I am very confident that we will have basketball. I don't know what the schedule looks like. If they can start by Thanksgiving weekend, I think we're going to be okay schedule-wise. I'd still like to get some sort of a mid-major or a high mid-major well-known team here at the Spectrum or wherever in a neutral site or in Florida in a bubble. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll find out Wednesdays uh, when we're supposed to to hear some news about what the schedule is going to look like or when Utah State, if and when they will play. Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. All right, time to go to break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour. Why are you giving me that look? Oh, let's announce our pick six winner. We have pick six coming up at 5.15. We want you to call in for the bread and butter play of the game. That's coming up at 5.15. So, yeah, we got a lot of things to get to. Still next hour, NBA, too. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. That's not that song. I'm just letting you know. Uh, Eric okay. Franson, AJ Salveson. Eric, you've been in kind of a tense mood. How? Let's talk for a couple. We got two minutes. We got about a minute left. We don't seconds. have two minutes. Talk to me. What's uh, what, what's going on? Are you doing all right today? Is it a, was it a rough day? Well, you were in here, and it was I'm trying to get work done, and you're like throwing stuff at me. Oh, oh, okay. And then you're like blaming the wall. Wow. Okay, I'm not throwing stuff at you. I got fouled while trying to throw a water bottle. I'm like trying to get work done, and you're like throwing bottles at me. Throwing bottles at you? The trash can right there. Yeah, whatever. You weren't trying to. So, like, I'm concerned for my own well being and my safety when you're around. You're playing patty cake on the computer watching uh, videos on Facebook or whatever. And, you know, I wanted to come chat with you about the schedule of our show and, you know, dive into what we want to talk about and. Nope, nope. You're watching a video of a little giraffe getting tickled. And I'm like, what the crap, dude? It's not watching any videos. It's it's doing audio. audio editing work. Oh, audio You're editing like, work. Come in here. Hey, so. Uh, <laughs> no, what's going don't on? put me as sports a sports guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Throw this bottle at you. Hey, by the way, um, <laughs> I'm sorry about Friday night. No, you're not. Shame on you. Second hour that coming up. was embarrassing. Up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Well, happy National NFL Overreaction Day. Every season, we read way too much into week one. This year, our overreactions are probably less accurate than ever because there was no preseason. The loudest one probably comes out of Tampa Bay. The Bucs fell to the Saints, and new quarterback Tom Brady threw two interceptions. But you have to remember, this was his first game in a new system. Give him a chance to settle down before you hand the NFC South to New Orleans. Panic is also probably setting in in places like Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Cleveland. And I get it. They looked bad. Give them another week. And on the positive side of things, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson were tremendous, picking up where they left off from last year. I also get the Kyler Murray hype. Still, it's only week one. Let's all take a deep breath. Let things settle down. It won't be long until we have a full slate of week two games to overreact to. I'm Dan Patrick, too. I'm Dan Patrick.